Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. This is the How to Trade It podcast. We talk about the real stories behind successful traders. You will learn the strategies that the best traders use in today's markets. And we get those experts to show us how to trade it. All right. Well, this is Casey Stubbs with another edition of the How to Trade It podcast. And today it is my great honor to introduce Dr. Barry Burns from Top Dog Trading. Thanks, Dr. Barry. Thank you for being on the show today. Well, thank you, Casey. I appreciate the invitation and I'm excited to be here and to see where this interview goes. Yeah, me too. I think you're going to be able to share some really good insight with our listeners. They're very excited to hear what you have to share. So I wanted to start out by just getting a little bit of background. I can see just by looking at the bookshelf in behind you that you're a really smart guy. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in trading? Give us a little bit of background. Well, thank you. I do have a lot of books. I've got a huge library. It fills a whole room, actually, literally three walls. And I've had to get rid of some of them as we've moved from one house to another. But let's put it this way. I've read books from people who are a lot smarter than me. (laughs) So trying to improve my intellect and have learned some good things in the process. But anyway, so as far as trading goes, my dad was a stock trader. And so I grew up with it. It was his passion in life. So he talked about it all the time. I really had no choice to hear about it. He was talking about it all the time, morning, afternoon, and evening, (laughs) much to my mother's chagrin, (laughs) because she had no interest in it whatsoever. And I didn't know what he was talking about half the time, but he began my formal education when I was eight years old, knee-high to a grasshopper. So I still didn't know what he was talking about, but he would sit me down at our dining room table in Detroit, Michigan, and he, you know, that's a long time ago. I was born in 1959, okay? So this is in the days of yore when, you know, the stock price was yesterday's newspaper. So, in fact, when I was born, we had black and white TV. So that's how old I am. Rotary telephones. So... Yep, I'm an oldster. But anyway, you know, the way we did it then, there was no computers or anything. And the way he did it, he was a stock trader. So he would bring out portfolios, like three or five different stocks that he had. And he put them on the dining room table. Remember, I'm eight. And he said, I didn't even know what a stock was. But he just threw me into the swimming pool. And it's like, okay, Barry, which stock should I trade? I'm like, well, I don't know, Dad. I mean, I was dumbfounded because I had no idea what a stock was. And so he said, well, pick one. Without explaining anything, without any instruction, without any tutorials, nothing. So we'd open up the folders. I'd look at a bunch of stuff. I can, I'm eight. I can barely read, right? So I'd ask him some questions, stupid questions, whatever, but for eight. So I'd ask a few questions. And then after we got through that process, whichever one I chose, he would actually buy. He would really put real money into it. And so this had a lot of pressure. Oh, my gosh. My dad 
is actually putting money into the stock that I, who know nothing about it, told him to buy. And then we'd watch it. So, and then we'd watch and watch and watch and watch. And we'd watch all five of them together to see how the one I chose would perform compared relatively to the other four. And then the next week, same thing. Next week, same thing. Next week, same thing. So just a lot of repetition. You know, it's kind of a feedback loop, if you will. And as we went along, he kept asking questions every week. And every time I asked questions, I learned something new. And that went on for years and years and years and years. I actually made money. And he put that into my college fund. But I got to tell you, he never told me this. This is just my own suspicion that he probably had already done some filtering, you know, <laughs> and just gave me five that were at least decent candidates. And it was very interesting, you know, and so I got to learn a lot and it was a nice bonding experience with my dad. In fact, the markets were always a bonding experience uh, with my dad till he passed away at 88 years old. And he was trading till that very last day or not last day, but last year of his life. And he started when he was 18. So he had traded for 70 years. And when he started, by the way, that was in Detroit, Michigan, as I said, he worked for Michigan Bell Telephone Company. He had a financial background. He was an internal auditor. And he, on lunchtime, the way he learned was he would go down to the brokerage firm, the brick and mortar brokerage firm, and they had blackboards up there and a dude with chalk. And he would literally write the quotes on the blackboard with chalk and go down from one to the next to the next to the next. And when he got to the end of the line, he'd go back with an eraser in one hand, erase the last quote, and then write the new one with a piece of chalk and just do that over and over and over all day long. People would sit there and I guess trade. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, so that's how I got started. And then, you know, I kind of got away from it a little bit when I became a teenager and uh, got a little more interested in, I don't know, girls <laughs> than the star stock market. But still, you know, kind of always would talk to my dad about it and do a little bit with it. And uh, then in college, I got away from it totally and did a couple of different careers. And then later on came back and decided in my either late thirties, early forties that, yeah, I want to do this, you know, full time, still kept my hand in it, but wanted to do it full time, did a complete career change. And then I sought out other mentors as well. And we can go into detail if you want to, but I don't want to take too long in the intro. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Well, that's really cool. Actually, I enjoy it. I got a history lesson as part of that answer. So that was really good. And, and, you know, you said that your dad had 70 some years of trading and you're on the way to getting a similar experience considering you started at eight and you gave the math. You said you were born in 1959. So yeah. right now you have a few years under your belt yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 53. Yeah. I'm 61. glad you did the math for me because I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> Not live. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. You're very kind. Uh, so, but no, that's a great history lesson. And it sounds like good memories too. Yeah. I have great memories with my dad doing things like that. And so that's pretty cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So once you decided to make the leap to go full time, tell me a little bit about your transition. Did you just quit? Did you save up a lot of money and then have a transition period? Like how did that whole thing work out? Uh, that was tough. Yeah. The transition was rough. So I didn't save up a lot of money. In fact, I went bankrupt. So I lost everything, house, everything, had a wife, kid. And that was one of the lowest points in my life, actually very embarrassed, you know, humiliated, and yeah, it was kind of interesting because I made a transition where 
my dad was always very much into the markets and and I was too, but I wasn't into money. So I, I was more into counseling. I become a therapist and, you know, people and things like that. And I really, even with my dad, I told him I don't care about money. So I never made a lot of money because I didn't care about it. That's not the way I, I wanted to go until my wife got sick. And there was a lot of things there I won't get into the detail of, but hospital bills piled up and so forth, ended up going bankrupt. And then all of a sudden I realized, you know, money is kind of important. Uh, it's important to be secure in ourselves financially so that then we can help others as well. And I got to support my family. I had one kid, had another one coming on the way, and it's like, yeah, I got to be responsible here. Money is not a bad thing. It's neutral, and how you can treat it as either something good, or you can use it for good or evil, like many things in life, and it can be very powerful if you use it for good. You can do a lot of great things with that. Yeah, so I, ooh, man, it was tough. So I got a consulting job at a company. I didn't really want to work for anybody. So I got a temporary consulting job at a company and made some, for me at that time, was decent money. And so then I was able to save up a little bit of money, but it was only for nine months. So, you know, I was under time pressure, had a deadline when I was going to be done with that job. It was just a temporary a project that I was working on. And then what I did was I didn't really start trading right away. I just went out and I had some mentors. So I joined a trading club. First of all, that's the first thing I did. So we met every two weeks and that was cool. I learned a lot, but I learned a lot of bad things. So <laughs> I failed forward, like they say. And every other week, they'd have a different speaker come. And every speaker had a different system. And every system seemed good. So every other week, I decided, oh, that's a good system. Now I'm going to trade this one. And then two weeks later, oh, that's a good one too. I think I'm going to trade this one. Because of course, in two weeks, you're not going to really be successful at any trading system, right? But each week I was drawn to the new shiny object, the new dynamic speaker, the new personality. And of course, I ended up spinning my wheels, never making money at anything and just switching from one system to another, to another, to another, to another. And pretty soon I realized, okay, I got to settle down. I've got to choose one. I'm sure they're all good, but I got to choose one that fits my personality. And I, I never, you know, a lot of people today, they think, oh, well, this system didn't work or that methodology didn't work. I never really had that opinion. I just thought, well, these guys are all making money. That's fine. There's different ways to groom a cat, if you will. But I need to choose one that fits me, my personality, the way I like to trade. And so eventually that's what I did and hired a mentor, worked with him, actually stayed over at his house. He lived just about two hours from me. So I'd go over and sleep overnight at his house. We'd get up early in the morning and his name was Robert. And we would trade, 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 trade. Mostly him at that point, me watching him. And he managed some money for other people too. And, you know, it's interesting. Every mentor I had, I learned at least one really important lesson from, but I never completely adopted their methodology. And so from Robert, what I learned was when I sat there and watched him trade, if you were just to watch him physically as I did, you could never tell if he was making money or losing money in his physicality, his facial expressions, nothing. Now I could look over at his P&L and I could see if it was green or red and how much, but just by sitting there and looking at him, could never tell if he was making money or losing money. He never got upset. He never got overly enthusiastic. He was just very calm, cool, and collected. And I'm like, wow, that's, he's a nice man. That's pretty good. 
And I can't say that I'm, you know, Iceman like he is, <laughs> but at least I was able to see that and adapt some of that and realize that, yeah, you can't get overly enthusiastic. And I've done it. I've had some great stints, great long hauls where I'm like, oh, and I would say, oh, I'm God's answer to the trading world. I am amazing. Warren Buffett, stand aside. You got nothing on me. And then the market, you know how it is. I can see on your face right now. <laughs> the market has a wonderful way of humbling us and saying, mm, no, you're not a trading god. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, man, what happened? And so you find this balance, right? And I think that's a big part of it. And I don't want to go on too long here with the monologue, but one of the things that I've adopted into my trading is I've practiced Tai Chi Chuan for many years. And for those of you who are not familiar with it, it's a soft martial art from China. And it has to do with blending with the other person's energy. So, But we don't even call the other person the opponent. We call them a partner. And so even if someone's attacking you, you blend with their energy. And usually you try to make some sort of physical contact. But even if you don't, you develop this awareness of their energy. We can almost feel their chi. And you just go with the flow. You feel their energy and you go with it. And so it's not a combat of sport or a combat of martial art where you're you know, going against their energy. And that's what my trading was like before that. I felt like I was fighting the market. And fighting the market created a lot of anxiety and worry. And it gave me this sense of just being very unsettling. And that's when I would get upset. And what I learned, and this is, I still practice this to this day, is I just follow the money flow in the market. So to me, it all comes about down to supply demand and I identify the supply demand imbalance. And then I just go with that. Instead of fighting it, I go with the flow. And all of a sudden, when you do that, it becomes very calming, very relaxing. And to me now, trading is almost like meditation. And uh, just like they say in life, go with the flow. Hello, this is Casey, and I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete Trading System. This is my 25 years of trading experience, sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you. I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. Okay, well, that's pretty good. There's quite a few little nuggets there. And one of the takeaways that I just got was this podcast is kind of like your stock club where we have different speakers every week with a different strategy. And so I want to just let the listeners hear that if you're a regular, don't be jumping on every new strategy. Mm -hmm. you know, find one that you like and then stick with it and then work it and just keep 
something that will fit you. And so it could be Dr. Barry or it could be any of the other people that we have on the show. And another thing I would say is just find something from somebody who is successful, like the guys that I'm interviewing. You know, you can get a lot of crazy stuff nowadays. So just a little tidbit there from what I'm hearing from what Dr. Barry was sharing. So thank you for that. Leadership is the most important element when it comes to successful investing. That's why each week of the Finance and Markets newsletter, we highlight a CEO who has created tremendous growth through outstanding leadership. Get the next growth superstar story by going to the link in this episode's description to subscribe. I want to dive down a little bit when you were first getting mentored. Uh, what type of technology did they have then? Was this pre-computer trading or was this already online world going? Yeah, well, with Robert, it was online. Now, yeah, I've been doing this for 50 years or 53 years, so I'm jumping way ahead. <laughs> okay, I skipped a lot of stuff that happened. Yeah. So after my education with my dad, of course, then I went off to college and then graduate school and so forth. and then. In between there and before I met Robert, I did take some courses, stock trading. Okay. And at that time, it was all stocks. And my first formal class education wasn't really a mentoring, it was a class. And the guy would use one of those overhead projectors. Remember those? You'd have the little transparency. Oh, yeah. I remember. <laughs> so that's what he would use and project it on a screen in front of the classroom. And this guy, he would have us, I wish it. I don't have an example because I don't do this anymore, but let's see if I could pull up a blank sheet of paper here and just give you an idea. I can't change my camera angle, but anyway, so he would have us take a blank sheet of paper, right? It was graph. It was actually a graph paper. He'd have okay. a oh, the whole pack of graph paper. And then he'd show us a chart on the overhead projector and then literally have us take, well, it was a pencil at the time. And we didn't use candlesticks, but he would have us copy the, I'm not doing it really right here, but he had his own little way of doing it. And he would have us like copy the bars. I don't know if you can see that. I can see that. Yeah. I see okay. that. Yeah. I'm just scribbling some nonsense down there right now. It looks like hieroglyphics. <laughs> but anyway, the point is he would then just have us manually. We we're almost like scribes, you know, from ancient Egypt or something where <laughs> back in the middle ages, where you just copy hand, look up there and hand draw each bar, bar by bar. And we would do that for hours at a time, or like two hours. And, yeah. <laughs> Sounds and monotonous. Have, yeah, exactly. And then we'd have a break, and then we'd come back and do it for another two hours, and then another two hours. We'd stay till like, I mean, we get started at like eight in the morning. We'd end at like one in the morning. But then at the end of the day or into the night, then we would analyze the charts and, you know, we'd analyze it. We'd have to stand up. We'd have to give our analysis. Then he'd give us his feedback and all that kind of stuff. But I got to tell you, as monotonous as it was, and you're right, there's something about tactically having to hand draw every bar that somehow gets those price patterns into your neurons, into your nervous system, into your cells, you know, and you just get the feel for it after a while. And, and that lasted for a whole week. That class lasted a whole week, just doing that over and over and over and over. I can't say it was fun, but I'll never forget it. And I think it really did give me an edge. I think it really did help me tremendously. In fact, I stayed with a guy and went through many of his classes after that. And, and we did have computers, but he started us out that way. And I don't know anybody else who does that. 
I've never seen anyone else do that since. I don't know. Don't even know if he does that anymore. But yeah, that was a very unique part of my education, and I think it was very, very helpful. I think that it would probably benefit people today foundationally to understand chart patterns and how the market works and how it moves because now everything's so fast. The market moves fast, technology moves fast, people move fast. And so I think maybe we could bypass some of that deep learning that takes place in that type of process. That's actually very interesting. I am have been trading for a long time, sort of right when trading first got started online. So I had memories of looking in the newspaper and looking at stock prices on a daily basis. When I was in high school in a senior year, my economics teacher, which was a great economics teacher, not too many teachers did this, we did a stock project. And so we'd pick a stock and we paper trade it. So we didn't really use money, but we'd pick some stocks and we'd just follow them. We'd, every student had to pick their own portfolio and we'd just check it in the newspaper every day. So what a great experience I had in high school, but we didn't do that chart thing. Like that yeah. would have taken it even to another level. So that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, how are you liking it so far? Pretty good? Me? Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Having I'm, a good I'm time? Fun. I'm just telling my stories. <laughs> yeah, I'm you liking know, it. it. It's interesting because I tell these stories and it's like, there's very few people you could tell these stories to that are interested, right? Unless you're into the markets. That's right. like, tell my wife, my friends, and they're like, yeah, that's great. So how about them? Beer, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, that's the whole point. That's what makes this podcast good is because most of my friends too, I've got a lot of trading friends, but most of my friends in the real world, they don't even care anything about this. So I just don't talk about it. So this right. is good. This is fun. Right. Okay. So tell me a little bit now about what you trade and some of your favorite strategies right now. Sure. So, well, it's, you know, evolved a lot. And by the way, I've had to, I want to make this point. I think this is a very important point too, is that I have had to evolve with the markets. So having been with it for so long, you know, so back in the olden days, we literally had to pick up the telephone and, you know, had a rotary dial. <laughs> it's funny. I saw a YouTube video the other day where they took a young person who was like 18 and put a rotary dial phone and told them to make a phone call. And they couldn't figure oh, that's out. That's hilarious. Do. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't, but I need to look it up because that's yeah. funny. I'll, I'll probably link to it in the quotes, yeah. in the show notes, because that's hilarious. There's several of them out there that I've yeah. seen where they just put it down. I think they did it on the Ellen show. So Ellen show, they did one of them and they've yeah. done some others too. And I won't give it away, but it's pretty funny because they don't have any clue and they cannot make a phone call. <laughs> but anyway, so back in those days, you know, so like you said, it was very, very slow. And so we did it that way. Anyway, I'll speed through that. And then we got computers. Wow, computers. But computers were slow. And so you still couldn't do very fast transactions. And then, of course, the internet got faster, broadband, but all this took, well, it felt like forever. So now, you know, commissions are low. So everybody can day trade quick, in and out, in and out, and broadband, all this kind of stuff. So what I do today, and oh, I just wanted to make the point, I've had to, I won't say start over, but I've had to evolve. And I think this is a very, very important point. You know, Charles Darwin, whatever you think of the theory of evolution, I'm not talking anything about religion right now, but one of the reasons that he was considered one of the greatest thinkers of his century was because this theory of evolution is critical to survival. And what it means is that the organisms that adapt to the environment around them, that's changing environment around them, are the ones who survive. 
So it really has nothing to do with survival of the strongest. Dinosaurs were really strong. They didn't survive. It doesn't have to do with survival of the fittest. It has to do with survival of the adaptable. And when you can adapt to a dramatically changing environment, then you survive. And I think that's true of trading as well. And people like to feel, well, we have this very innate sense that we want security, we want stability, and we want continuity. And that's just not the real world. You know, the only constant is change, as they say. So in the markets, too, to be a successful trader, you've got to be able to, well, it kind of goes back to the go with the flow thing. Don't expect you're going to learn one thing that's going to serve you forever. You've got to be adaptable. And as markets change through different iterations, technology changes, regulations change, all these things, you've got to be able to change with them and not be stubborn and say, oh, you know, argue about, oh, complain and bitch and moan. That's like, that's the way of the world. So go with the flow. So anyway, I've had to do that. And so my trading has evolved. And so what I do now is I really do two things. During the day, I day trade and I trade futures because I like the leverage that they have. I like the volume that they have. I trade the S&P E-minis. I trade the Euro, the Yen, Gold, and Crude, those five markets. So I've got two monitors here. They're big monitors. I only have two. I used to have six. I reduced it down to two, but two big ones. <laughs> and I just keep all of those markets up at the same time. So I don't have to do any scanning or anything like that. But I love the leverage of futures markets. I love the liquidity. And, you know, there's always something moving somewhere. So if the S&P is not doing much today, if at the end of the day, it's a narrow range little doji, hey, maybe gold moved that day, or maybe crude did, or maybe the euro or the yen. So that's why I look at uncorrelated markets. And so that's what I do in the day. Now, during the day, I'll only trade maybe an hour to maybe three just depends. I don't need the money anymore. So I'm pretty much doing it for fun. And I just still love it. And then, and I use tick charts and I use very, very short time frames. So for example, for the E-minis, uh, well, I've had to change that a little bit now that the market has been so volatile, but I use a thousand tick chart, a 3000 tick chart and a 9,000 tick chart. So I use three different time frames. look for the correlation of all of them and take trades. In my trades, I'm a scalper. So my trades will might only last for like a minute, two minutes, three minutes. Pretty fast, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I can make, you know, a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks in three minutes. And so in my way of thinking too, especially with the way the markets are today, with you know, tweets coming out and you know, not only news, news is one thing. Tweets are a whole new game we're playing now. Right. So, right. The speed of the not only news, but gossip, rumors that people right. respond to. Doesn't even have to be real. Right. Somebody tweets something. You, right. know, and you then, get Elon Musk and he just moves the market instantly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Before it gets the news wires. Yeah. And so if you're watching CNBC, that's too slow. That's too slow. You know, you're going to hear and the market's going to move and you're going to say, what happened? And then, you know, a minute later, oh my God, a minute is forever and eternity. CNBC says, oh, breaking news. Well, the market's already moved by now. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's old school. Yeah. Done. Done. Yeah. So how do you follow Twitter? You know, you can't follow everybody. There's 50 million people on there. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> so I like to trade the short time frames because the longer a trade goes, the more there is to go wrong with it right? The more there is to that, you know, news, rumors, gossip, or whatever can happen. And it just fits my 
the rhythm of my body and my mind. I'm fast. I like to trade fast. I like to get in. I like to get out. And I know some people will trade like an hour chart, a four-hour chart. And that's great. I've got nothing against it whatsoever. Again, I'm just talking about personal choice here. That drives me crazy. I can't do that because I'm just, then I'm just thinking over the next four hours, gosh, I wonder what the market's doing. Right. I don't want to be preoccupied with that mentally. Right. <laughs> I want to be in and out and be able to think about other stuff. Yeah. And not have to be thinking about the market. Now, the exception to that is after I'm done day trading, then I will swing trade options. But I don't worry about those as much because my risk is always predefined. And so now holding overnight, you know, that can be a worry, right? You've got your overnight risk. But again, because my option positions have a predefined risk and I always keep that to 2% or less of my trading account. Right. Doesn't worry me. doesn't Anything bother me. Anything bad can happen and it's only two, one or 2%. No yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I do. Now, when I do the option trading, I do that on stocks. I don't do that on futures or anything else. I mean, well, we can do it on, you know, commodities, things like that, but I'll use exchange traded funds. And then I use a scanner. Then I use Thinkorswim for scanning for opportunities uh, based on my technical analysis. So I'll scan thousands of optionable stocks, find out which ones fit my parameters, if any, that day. And then I'll go down to the option chains. I'll look at which ones have good open interest, tight spreads, you know, the qualifications that I have for it, depending on the option strategy that I'm taking. And then that's the option strategy that I'll choose that day. Okay. Well, this is good stuff. I'm pretty excited about this. So I want to get into some detailed questions about the scalping because that really interests me. So how long are you in and out? So you said, you said a couple minutes. Is that what you yeah. said? So, okay. So that's kind of crazy in my mind, but yeah, I hear that thing. a lot. Yeah. But how does the risk go? Cause I've seen other scalpers and they're like, you know, they got massive risk on these trades because they're just trying to hit like a two point target. Like how do you manage the risk and the reward and what's your winning rate usually? Yeah. So, right. I've heard that kind of stuff too. So no, that's not what I do. I'm not looking for a pip or two. Yeah. Especially with spot forks. I'm not a big spot forks guy. I've got nothing against it, but if I'm going to trade forks, you know, people forget forks just literally means for an exchange. When they say forks, they're assuming spot forex. But remember, foreign exchange is also traded through futures, right? And exchange traded funds and other things. So to me, the futures have they've really good. Well, they have a couple of great things going for them. So first of all, liquidity. Uh, number two, you can see the volume. You know, usually through spot forex, you're seeing tick volume, and right? You're seeing it through your broker, whereas the futures trade through a central exchange, and you see real volume. So I prefer that. You still get very good margins and leverage. So I like that. But then I can also manage my positions very carefully. So for example, I'm not going to just take a pip or two. And I know what my, I don't mind paying commission. Commission's so small. And by the way, let's face it, with spot forks, there's a so-called commission in there anyway. It's just built into the spread. Exactly. Yes. Right. So you're not going to get away from it. And that's okay. Right. Brokers need to make their money. I don't begrudge them that. Right. So, but at least I know what it is and I can, I feel like I can place my entries and my stops a little more precisely. So I'm not looking for a pip or two, that's for sure. But I might be looking for like maybe five or 10 and my risk always goes where I'm wrong. So that's my rule on stops. Stops go where you're wrong. 
Okay, so I've got a strict philosophy about that. So what that means is every time I take a trade, I briefly touched on cycles, briefly mentioned it. So I'm always, whatever the structure of the trade is on my chart, I'm always either buying a cycle low or I'm shorting a cycle high. In one of my specialties, I'm really, really, really great, if I must say so myself, one of my specialties <laughs> is nailing cycle highs and lows. Now, that doesn't mean a trend high or low. That just means a cycle higher or low, like a swing higher or low. A lot of people refer to them as. And I'm really good at getting those half cycles. So just from, you know, it's hard to explain without a chart and the indicator that I use and so forth. Right. But just from there to there, which is usually about a two to one reward to risk ratio. Okay. Okay. Just to get to your question more specifically. So if the market, if I'm buying a cycle low and the market breaks that cycle low, the reason for me taking that trade no longer exists and therefore the trade should no longer exist. And I put in hard stops. So I put that as soon as I get filled, I put my protective stop in to the execution platform. Boom, it's there and I never move it. By the yeah. way, I've never had a problem with that. I've never been tempted to, yeah. to move my stops. A lot, a lot of, of people, people do. Do. do, so that's good that you have that. Yeah, I've never had that problem for, I don't know, everyone's different, but for me, that's yeah. not been a problem. And so, yeah, the way that I trade it and the patterns that I look for, and the indicator that I use just is so good. Now, it doesn't catch every cycle high and low, but I don't trade the cycle highs and lows unless the little pattern I look for that's so reliable shows up. Mm. So in that way, I'm making the market come to me. I'm not pretending I catch every cycle high and low. I don't catch most of them, and I don't trade most of them. I wait for the ones where my little cycle indicator, it gives me the certain pattern, I call a little momentum shift pattern within five bars that says, oh yeah, the shift of supply demand is happening here. It's very clear. And that's the bottom line to the bottom line is supply demand is what makes prices go up right. or down. And when I see that shift in supply demand, and it's very crystal clear. Those are the ones that I take. The rest, I just let them go. I don't need to take them. Let somebody else make some money. Are you tired of feeling lost in the world of trading and investing? Get informed and inspired with the Talking Trading Podcast. I'm Louise Bedford, and I'll help you navigate the markets like a pro. Tune in each week and subscribe now at talkingtrading.com.au or on your favorite podcast app, or check out the link in the show notes. Talking Trading, this is how traders excel. <laughs> and so on a daily basis, you're watching a certain number of instruments, you're day trading, you mentioned it earlier, how many setups are there? And is there some days when you don't trade or there's always something? Well, it's like I said, you know, there might be some days where I wouldn't take any trades on the E-minis, the S&P E-minis, but then I'll look at the Euro or the Yen or gold or crude. But back in the olden days, back in the days of yore, <laughs> I traded a lot more than I do now. So when I was going through my learning curve, I traded 13 hours a day. So I would, and I'd get a lot of trades, okay? Yeah. So, because I, I would start at like midnight, California time. I live in Los Angeles. And then I would trade the DAX. And so I'd be trading the European market, the German index. And then I would trade the Euro as time went on. And then I would trade the S&P as time went on. And then 1,300 hours in California is when the stock market closes. 
So I was trading for 13 hours every day for years and years and years and years. Like that's how I got my kind of 10,000 hours in. So then I was taking a lot more trades. Now, you know, again, like I say, I don't need the money. So it just depends on how each day is, my schedule, whatever. If I trade for, I've actually figured that I get about, this is again on average, so I'm not saying every day, but on average, I'll get a trade about once every 30 minutes. Okay, cool. Awesome. And that's again, using a 200 tick chart. Yeah. Well, that's been very good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. By the way, when I say 200 tick chart, I realized earlier I said a thousand. So I use different tick increments for different instruments. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like I teach trading as well. So I usually encourage people, if they're going to trade futures, start with the micro e-mini NASDAQ 100s. And for that, I would use a 200 tick chart. So I was kind of going back to teacher mode there. And then once you're successful, I encourage you using the more expensive. Then you can go to the E-minis, not the micro E-minis, and do the S&P 500s. And then right now, we used to use a 500 tick chart. Now we're doing a 1,000 tick chart. Okay. So I'll break that down a little bit because I am ignorant of this. I have not traded futures, so I don't know what that actually means because I'm used to time frames, like daily you know you mentioned time frames what's the difference between a tick chart and a time frame chart okay so time based bars we'll start with the easy one <laughs> so time based bar right so if you are trading a chart that has daily bars that means each day or each bar represents one day of market activity okay if you're going to do intraday trading and you trade 60 minute bars then that bar lasts for 60 minutes right after 60 minutes and 1 second then the next bar starts forming right? Same with five-minute bars, two-minute bars, whatever. So they're time-based. Tick charts are different. They are not related to time whatsoever in any way, shape, or form. So a tick bar moves in increments of the number of trades. So let's go back to the 1,000 tick bar. So that bar would last for 1,000 trade executions. So if there's a lot of trading going on, the ticks are moving really fast. If the market's slow, the ticks are moving slower. Correct. Okay. So new bars will form slower if there's not many trades going through the market and bars form faster, get more bars in a shorter period of time if a lot of trades are going through the market. Hmm. So there's advantages and disadvantages to both. So one of the advantages of tick bars is that you don't get as much, like if the market's not really moving very much, okay, then on a time-based bar, a bar just has to be formed because two minutes has gone by if it's a two-minute right. bar. Got to form another bar. So you'll get a lot of just little, one of my friends calls, um, what's he call them? Mouse, mouse tracks or something. Oh, yeah. It, just all these little narrow range bars, you know, that don't really mean anything, right? With tick bars, you don't really get that as much at least because if there's not many trades going through, no you don't get all these. Form. Right. Yeah. You don't get these little yeah. narrow range bars, right? So you get a smoother like oscillation, smoother stair-step patterns, the charts tend to be a little smoother in their formation, in their symmetry. Okay, that's one reason that I like them. Now, there's a disadvantage, and one of the disadvantages of tick charts is that, let's say, especially if you're trading real fast timeframes, so not so much 60-minute and the longer timeframes, but like if you trade a, okay, let's go to real extreme, some people who trade one-minute bars. So they'll usually have a little counter right, to the right of the bar, and it counts down, okay, we've got 59 seconds, 48 seconds, you know, 50, 45, whatever, two seconds left, one second, and then they know, okay, the next bar is going to form. So 
in the rhythm of their body, they can time their next exit pretty well and be ready to place the trade if there's a trade set up there, because it's just a very synchronous rhythm. With tick charts, not necessarily, because again, let's go to a 200 tick bar. So there could be 200 ticks left, 199 ticks left, and then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of trades come through, and then all of a sudden, there's one tick left, boom, and then the next bar forms. Yeah. You're like, wait, 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 I, went, I wasn't ready. Yeah. Because it's not based on time. And so that can throw people off and they can miss trades. So, you know, again, there's always advantages and disadvantages yeah. to everything. That would know. definitely show volume too, because you could see how much the market's moving and how much trades are going through. Yeah. Again, pluses and minuses there. So it's not directly correlated with volume. It's directly correlated to the number of trades. So they could be smaller trades or bigger trades. So that's, it's, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So you could have one trade go through with, you know, one contract, a second trade go through with, you know, 10,000 contracts, just to be silly. And that would be two ticks. And those are, you know, not all ticks are created equal, obviously. Right. Now, if you want to really watch the volume, then you could use volume-based bars and volume-based bars, literally, you know, every time, whatever you set it to, you know, it's based on how much volume goes through the market. So another advantage of time-based bars is if you really like to read volume at the bottom of your chart, time-based bars are better for that. Uh -huh. Time-based bars are also better for candlestick patterns if you like to read candlestick patterns. And because tick bars, if you look at the volume pattern on tick bars, it's like you said, they're not going to be even like a, a volume bar would be, but they're going to be more even than a time-based bar would be. So you're not going to see the big volume spikes as much as you would on a time-based bar. All right. Well, this has been good. Lots of education here. So thank you for sharing. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Well, we're getting close to the running out of time. And so I want to have you share a little bit about what you're doing now over at Top Dog Trading and if you have anything for my listeners to check out. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, we've always got a lot of stuff going on over here at Top Dog Trading. So the first thing that I'll offer is my rubber band trade. So you can just go to rubberbandtrade.com. like to make it real easy for everybody, rubberbandtrade.com. And what I offer there is a actual trade setup that people can take my gift my gift to the trading community, because I want you to start making some money before you pay for courses or classes, whether or not you choose to uh, buy any courses from me in the future or not, try before you buy or try and never buy. I don't care. But this is the, what I do at Top Dog Trading. I don't sell. I'm not a sales guy. I educate people into my courses. So I give away a lot of free education. And if people like it, then they can get my other courses or they don't have to. I'm just not a sales dude. I never have been. So the rubber band, band trade is a reversion to the mean mathematical model. That's the statistical model behind it. And anyway, just go there, get it for free, download it. Always simulate or demo test it first, by the way. And you'll get my email when you get that. So if you have any questions about it, send it over to me. And I want you to just start making some money for free. We also, if you go to topdogtrading.com, we've always got a lot of free education there. I've got the blog posts with a lot, a lot of tutorials. I've got webinars, two webinars every single week. I also give away that cycle indicator that I told you about for nailing cycle highs and cycle lows. We give that away there on topdogtrading.com. And then I've got a YouTube channel with over 200 free videos. 
So lots of stuff, lots of stuff. Come and get it all and clean me out. It's like drinking through a fire hose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would recommend, you know, that's a good point. I would start, recommend people start with one thing <laughs> and then go from there. But yeah, it's kind of like you were saying before, okay. you know, choose choose one mentor, one person you resonate with. Same thing with my education. I kind of recommend people start with the rubber band trade because it's so practical and it's a binary thing. You'll either make money with it or you won't paper trade it. And it's very simple. By the way, I teach it to people in a 30 minute video. So that's how simple it is just to give you an idea. So when I get this strategy, am I going to be using tick charts or time-based charts? You can use either. And you can even use it on daily charts. You can use it for swing trading. And it also works for Forex, stocks, futures, commodities, options. Again, because underlying all of it is just a mathematical reversion to the mean model. It's where markets get irrationally exuberant. That's an ancient Chinese saying I just made up. And because it's irrational, it's going to eventually revert to the mean. And we show you how to time that. And the mean we... It's all there, you know, it's all statistical, mathematical, and and it can be done with any chart. You don't need any special indicators, nothing, just whatever charting platform you're using. We just use common indicators. I don't use any proprietary indicators here at Top Dog Trading. All right, well, thank you. My pleasure, Casey. <laughs> this has been a great show, so we're gonna wrap it up, but for everybody that's listening, make sure you go visit Top Dog Trading. All the links are going to be below. Visit Get the Rubber Band Trade. And if you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you subscribe so you get notified right away. And leave a review as well so we can get more people to learn all these great strategies and meet these great traders like Dr. Barry Burns. So again, thank you for being on the show. And until next time. Thanks for listening to the How to Trade It podcast. Our mission is to help you create security in the markets. If you have a question you want me to ask my guests or a specific question you have for me, please email me at podcasttradingstrategyguides.com. I answer every email I get because this show is about helping you learn how to trade it. So again, please reach me at podcasttradingstrategyguides.com. Thank you. for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.